All right, welcome to the True Blue Cubs podcast. I'm your host, Joe Kilgallen. Uh, if you're listening for the first time, thank you. Thanks for checking it out. I imagine you are a diehard Cubs fan like myself. A little bit about me. I'm a stand-up comedian. I have another podcast called the Joe Kilgallen Podcast, where I often have other comedians, some of the top comedians in the whole damn country, in which we just kind of uh, basically bar talk. All the same silly conversations you'd have with your friends in the bar. That's the idea of that podcast, the Joe Kilgallen Podcast on Apple, Spotify, YouTube. Also, I have a Patreon for my comedy in general, which I write blogs, share some videos, uh, bonus podcasts. That's patreon.com slash Kilgallen. And again, if you're new to this one, please go back and check out the first two of the 2021 season. The first one I had with the director of morale of the Chicago Cubs, the one, the only Dom Frederick. So please check that one out. A lot of stuff to pump you up and just some good baseball talk there, right? And then the last one, I had a little baseball history with uh, comedian slash baseball historian Mike Bridenstine. Uh, so a lot of cool stuff on that one, like how the Cubs got the name the Cubs. Some of you might not know that history, so I implore you to check that out. Now, this one's going to be a tight one, a little. This is me rocking solo with you guys. I was uh, headlining a comedy club in St. Louis. That's right. I was in enemy territory, Cubs fans. Surrounded by Cardinals fans. Uh, great people, though. Really great comedy audiences at the St. Louis Funny Bone. Let me slow it down a little bit. I feel like I'm talking really fast because it's like late on a Monday night and I realize I want to get this podcast up in the morning. I was, uh, yeah, so I was there and I tried to do a podcast from the hotel, but the hotel's internet was just dog shit. It was bad internet. And we recorded the episode, but then when I listened to the playback, the audio was just way too choppy. I did my best to try to salvage it. Um, so we're going to re-record it later this week, and that is going to be with uh, Crawley's Cubs. Crawley is uh, one of the biggest Cubs fans on the planet Earth. I mean, he gave Miguel Montero his World Series ring. He was on the field for the ring ceremony. That's what a big Cubs fan Crawley is. Like, you'd be nominated by people and all this kind of stuff. And that was a really good conversation. So the idea with this podcast is I'm going to get the I'm going to get gigantic Cubs fans on and maybe I'll even get some former players on or if I'm really lucky current players but they'll probably be in the off season. I don't want to bother anyone during the year. And which I'm going to talk to people about the Cubs and why they love the Cubs. You know, their first experience at Wrigley Field, their earliest memory of watching the Cubs even on WGN or something like that. And you know, we're just kind of like you know, favorite players growing up and then we'll talk about the current team and maybe even where they think the Cubs are going in the future. It's going to be all things Cubs, but it's going to be focused on like the personal connection that we as the fans have with our beloved Cubbies. And with this one, I kind of wanted to talk about something that's been on my mind lately. And, um, and that's basically what has gone. I don't know. I don't want to say wrong. Cause I, here's my fear. Everyone I'm trying to figure out how I want to tackle this subject. Now, we all know the Cubs are off to not a very good start. They're four and six on the year, and uh, they've lost, they lost two out of three to the Pirates, and they lost the opener of the series against Milwaukee, and then you know they, they're facing some teams that are projected to do some really big things the rest of the season, or the rest of the month of April going into May. So it's like, oh, we, we really got to get off to a good start. That was the emphasis this season. And they wanted to get off to a good start that way come the trade deadline. We were going to hold on to the players that we've loved so much over these last seven seasons now. So what I want to talk about is the fact that I'm worried that too many Cubs fans 
are going to allow how this last season was or how the Cubs had exited the playoffs the last few years or the fact that the offense just never really took that next step that we thought this young team would take. And they're going to let that ruin what it meant for the Cubs to win it all in 2016. And again, and I'm not trying to be like a Bears fan where it's like 85 Bears would have won it, you know, all that. I get it. We we wanted more than just 2016. We were a long-suffering fan base, and we always said one before we die. But then once we got the one, we're like, well, we need more. And everyone was saying Dynasty because they were so damn young when they won. And they really were so incredibly young when they won. And I feel like that's part of the reason they won. They were, they were too young and naive to give a shit about some stupid-ass curse. Which I think if you're listening to this, you're probably smart enough not to believe in any of that curse crap. And go back to the last podcast with Mike Bryanstein. We talked about the Billy Goat curse and the real history of it because he knew the deep history of it and the media narrative and how that all kind of messed things up. But like, I don't think what happens now should take away with what happened then. And, and again, I do believe the youth is what helped them win that world series because other teams like the Lou Pinella Cubs, who I loved a lot, right? Um, those are the first Cubs where I got to really get drunk at bars and enjoy them. Although all three, I was underage and I was still rocking it. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, though, <laughs> is that those 07, 08 team, the 2003 Cubs, and the 98 Cubs, the media would just be like, everyone since 1908, 1908. Every story was 1908, the Billy Goat, Billy Goat, 1908. And I think this young Cubs team was just like, I don't care about that. Why would we, like, they, they barely got bothered by it. It wasn't really until the playoffs where the national media tried to make it a story because I feel like they just kind of Joe Mann did a great job with that. You know, I really I think Joe Mann is such a great manager for a young team, and it was evidence there. You know, he had some in-game stuff that we as fans were a little bit like, Joe, not too sure about that, Joey. What are you doing, Joe? You know, but he was the right man for that job. So I guess what I want to talk about with you guys as Cubs fans is that why didn't they become the dynasty that many had predicted? A few things to note. Dynasties are incredibly difficult and incredibly rare through all sports. Very rare in baseball, though, as there hasn't been a back-to-back champ since the Yankees in 1999-2000. We're talking 21 years ago now. And, I mean, I, I don't know. Some fans I've heard say, like, well, the Giants 2010, 2012, 2014. I don't know. I feel like you got to win back-to-back to be really a dynasty. Like, I love the Blackhawks. I'm a big, uh, you know, I'm a hockey fan. I I don't know if I would call that thing a dynasty. I mean, they won in 2010, 2013, 2015. I guess in sports like that where there aren't back-to-back winners, baseball being part of that, could you really say dynasty? If the Dodgers were to win this year, which I hope they do not, you can make a case for dynasty because they'd be, what, four? They'd gone to four World Series in the last five years. So four pennants in the last five seasons. That'd be, you know, the Nationals won one in between there. And then two victories and the whole Astros thing. Um, So I guess there'd be a case there. But a reminder, dynasties are rare. Now, why didn't the Cubs get back or whatever? Why after 2017's NLS NLCS appearance did it get worse? I think we need to talk about that 2018 season. The 2018 season was such a freakishly weird year. And a year that was better than Cubs fans even appreciate. Uh, Bleacher Nation had a thing about hindsight and what would you have done? He says, I would have gone back in time and sold, like trade made trades halfway through the 2018 season. 
which is bizarre because the Cubs were like 10 games up halfway into the 2018 season. And Chris Bryant had just gotten injured at that point. So were you trading an injured Chris Bryant? No, because that's hurting your value. Um, were you trading it? Who were you? I just want specifics. I feel like there's a lot of negative um, Cubs fans out there. And I get, I get it. Like, you don't have to be sunny optimists like myself and others. But give me more than just, they suck. This team, this team's awful. They blow. Get rid of everybody. Do you really mean get rid of everybody? Or are you going to be one of those fans? I saw this past offseason when anytime someone wasn't back, even if someone if it wasn't a big name, were upset about it. That's what killed me. So many people. Get rid of everybody. Then as people start to leave, you can't get rid of them. What? Like, show, show me some consistencies. All I don't think it's much to ask. I know I can't make fans be the type of fan I am where it's like, hey, we still got this. Although, trust me, the fans like us, we appreciated Game 7's victory more than you guys ever will. I don't care if you got to jump up and down and high-five everyone and hug everyone the way we did, but just know, we know. We know in our heads and our hearts, and you know, if you're being honest with yourselves, that, that you didn't get to enjoy it the way we did. The Cubs fans who, when Rajay Davis hit that home run, were just saying, all right, it's okay. Just a tie game. It's okay. Nope, there was a foul ball kidness hit. It's okay. We still got this. We're going we're gonna to win this shit. We've got this. Those of us, we, we got to enjoy it more because I know there was plenty of you out there. I saw it when we were, I saw it in the Giants series when we didn't sweep them and everyone's like, oh, God. Yeah, I mean, like, just giving up as soon as, I, and don't give me this nonsense of, oh, it's been beaten into me as a Cubs fan. I saw one guy on Twitter, I've been a Cubs fan for 50 years. I'm like, you still act like a dick? Wow, that's great. I don't care. I don't care. When I, when I hear people tell me how long they've been a Cubs fan and they still have this, Every time something goes wrong, the the sky is falling. Shout out to the podcast, The Sky is Falling, actually. I've got a, a friend of mine, Cody, um, Cody on tap on Twitter, everyone. He has a podcast called The Sky is Falling, which is on the ONTAP Sportsnet podcast network, ONTAPSportsnet.com. Shout out to those guys. I, I'm a contributor on Cubbies on Tap, which is also on that network. Anyhow, I just, I don't, I don't get that. You're old enough as a fan to know baseball. That's what I want. I want people to be smarter baseball fans too. Again, you don't have to be sunny optimist, but be smarter baseball fans. Don't act like losing two out of three to the Pirates is just unfathomable. The 2016 Cubs lost nine times to the 70-win Milwaukee Brewers. Great teams. Not even good teams. Great teams are going to lose a series to a bad team over the course of 162. That's going to happen. Okay, so just settle down. All the people were hating on Adbert's first start, but now they're kissing his ass because he looked great today. I remember these things. All these people, Adbert's first start, he's shaky first outing. Why did he make the team? Because he's got great stuff as he showed you today. That's why. Because his last start of the spring, he made Mookie Betts and Cody Bellinger look stupid. That's why he made the team. And yeah, he had one bad start. And guess what? That happens to great pitchers even. With the exception of a top three or four, even really, really good pitchers are going to have a bad outing. He just happened to have it as his first start of the season. So don't be one of those fans. Some people are like, oh, he had a bad outing. He's terrible now. Calm down. Okay. Or, or don't, or maybe baseball isn't for you. I'm looking out for your personal health now, you know? So again, if I could go back to the main point here, why didn't we become a dynasty that, you know, I obviously bleacher nation, which runs a great blog site about the Cubs. Um, 
They're huge. It's a huge blog site. Brett something is the guy's name. I've never met him, but I've heard great things about him. So I'm not really harping on him, but I think it was pretty ridiculous. You know what I mean? To be like, I'd go back in 2018 and sell off. The team won 95 games. The 2018 Cubs, let me emphasize, won 95 games with Chris Bryant missing 60. He missed 60 games. They still won 95. You Darvish gave us nothing that year. He was bad when he actually pitched, and then he was hurt. I think he only made nine starts. Yes, he was injured, but while he was out there, he was also bad. So you got a, a nothing out of – it was a negative war, I want to say, you Darvish. That means anyone else would have been better. And they still won 95 games. Now, what happened? Obviously, the offense could come – I think the last six weeks of the season was really bad. They picked up Daniel Murphy, and he kind of sparked them for a week or so, and then that faded. I didn't like the line of construction either that year. When they picked up Daniel Murphy, they started leading him off. And I remember thinking to myself, like, Daniel Murphy's a high-contact bat, which is what the Cubs were really lacking that year. They had Zobers who had a good year in Rizzo, but then the rest of the team, everyone was strikeout or bust. And um, and they needed, like, that third guy because when the Cubs were most successful in 2016 and even 2016 mostly, 2015, those two years in particular, you had – um, or no, 2017, John Jay, you had guys who were making more consistent contact. It wasn't the whole team. Obviously, you still had the same Bryant, Baez, Contreras, is being Schorber, being high strikeout guys. But Rizzo's a high contact guy. Zobris is a high contact guy. Hayward's pretty good high contact guy. But when he, you know, in those years, he wasn't good offensively. So it's like, okay, he's grounding out a lot. That's not really helping. Um, but Murphy, when he was a spark initially, but in my head, I'm like, you need a high con, your highest contact bat ideally should be batting fourth or fifth. I hear some people being like, uh, Nico should be the leadoff hitter. I'm like, no, Nico makes consistently high contact. You want him in positions where he could drive in runs, and that is not the one spot. I don't mind the guy leading off striking out a little bit because there's no one on base. It's it's the striking out with runners on base that kills you as a team because it's an, uh, they're unproductive outs, which add up. So the 2018 Cubs, we forget as fans now because we're a little bit far removed. They had that weird schedule. That coincided with the offensive collapse in which they played 41 games in like 40 days or 41 games in 42 days or something. It was unprecedented in baseball. No one else had that in the schedule. And that's something like that hadn't happened maybe ever. I remember people being like, this is crazy because of all the rainouts they had in April and May that really screwed up the season. And people were like mad at Major League Baseball as rightfully so. There's that famous picture of Anthony Rizzo getting on the plane in his uniform. Because they had a weird thing in the schedule where they had a one-game stop in Washington, then they would go back on the road for three games, then a one-game stop somewhere else to make up a rain delay. And again, this sounds like I'm making excuses for them. I'm just giving you reasons. I'm giving you pieces to the puzzle of why this dynasty didn't quite work out the way we all were hoping it would. Now, Theo famously at the end of that season when we got bounced losing game 163, what, one to nothing or two to one, and then we lost the wildcard game two to one in 13 innings. He gave the speech or the post game, not post game, I'm sorry, postseason press conference he does, in which he said the offense broke. Somewhere along the way, our offense broke. It's broken. And then people thought, ooh, that means big, big things are going to be happening this upcoming offseason. Now, I think when Theo said that, it might have been he was bummed out about how the season ended. Now, he's an incredibly, he's one of those dudes, smartest guy in the room when he walks into the room. And he's always been transparent, and he doesn't really misspeak. But I think that emotion's got the best of him. And I think if you would have asked him, do you regret saying it that way, he would say yes. Because in order to have major changes, who would you have moved? Like I said, Chris Bryant, 
was rookie of the year MVP in 2017. He had a great 2017. He was like a six war, I want to say. And then 2018, he's banged up. Players get injured. It happens. So you're not going to trade him or move him because A, they'd have been stupid. What one bad year and you're like, we got to get rid of a franchise player, a guy who at that at that point looked like he was on his way to a Hall of Fame career. And when someone's coming off an injury, their value isn't very high. So then you're not moving Rizzo. He's the captain and had a very good 2018. Ben Zobrist, maybe you could say, oh, he's got one more year left, but Ben Zobrist is the type of hitter you're looking for. You, If anything, you want to find another Ben Zobrist. Ben Zobrist had an awesome 2018 season. As a matter of fact, everyone talks about the Cubs' leadoff situation. In 2018, the Cubs had the highest on-base percentage out of the leadoff spot. Zobris was there most of the time and did a pretty good job. The problem was the strikeouts in the middle of the lineup. That's what I'm saying. They they would they went Zobris Murphy and then Murphy Zobris. They had a weird tandem there where I'm like, these two should be in the middle. We forget in the playoffs in 2016, Ben Zobris batted fifth. Remember he had that big double in game four against the Giants and he had a couple big hits against the Dodgers and, of course, game seven, he was batting fifth. That's where you want that number five here. Think about those Aramis Ramirez Cubs teams. Aramis Ramirez was batting fifth. Aramis Ramirez rarely struck out. He was one of those guys like a Rizzo who would strike out as much as he walked. What Rizzo walked way more, but like Aramis Ramirez was more of a guy who would walk like 60 times, would also strike out 60 times. Power hitter that barely struck out. That's why he was always driving in 120 runs. That's where you want them. Yeah, Zobrist that year, I believe, hit 307 and had like a 400 on base percentage. So you're not really going to move a guy, especially a guy you're looking for more of. And I think they looked at the roster there and thought, all right, we need to maintain this because, you know, this is a good team. This is what we want. Now, the mistake you could say they made there might have been, I don't, again, I don't, I think the mistake was really just on ownership, closing the wallet. The only offseason signings they made was they picked up Brock, the bullpen pitcher, who they ended up cutting, who wasn't good for us, and I think he ended up figuring out with the Mets. He was a guy who came off a good year with Atlanta, so I actually kind of liked that as a pickup. It was a one-year deal and you know, a couple mil. And Daniel Descalso, who we all know ended up being terrible. At the time of the signing, though, he had a guy who was, had a history of being clutch, which people could argue is that consistent because you could have a clutch season and the next year not be clutch. So it was like, is it lucky? What is it? And um, and could play some shortstop. That's why they let go of Estella. Um, there's also some rumors about some other stuff, but I, I don't know why. I think the reason they let go of Estella uh, was because he could only really play second base and not really even a strong second base. Now, in hindsight, letting go of Estella was a bad move. But And again, sometimes you can make the right move but get the wrong result. That doesn't get mentioned enough. You could do the right thing but get the wrong result. Like, I know a lot of Cubs fans were like, we should have got Justin Verlander in 2017 instead of Q. Well, we traded for Q at the All-Star break. And up until that point at the All-Star break, Q had been the better pitcher between him and Verlander. People forget Q was an All-Star with the White Sox. He was a guy who was incredibly underrated. Didn't rack up a lot of wins because the White Sox had horrific defense behind him. Still do. Um, but yeah, so but still, I'm saying, what if we did get Verlander? What if we got Verlander and he was terrible? Like, you, you know what I mean? You could do the right thing and get the wrong result. That happens. So rolling into 2019, the Descalso was terrible. Um, someone said he got hurt and was playing through an injury. He was just bad. There's no other way around that. But I understood the idea of getting a bench player who could also play shortstop because, as we know, in 2018, Javi faded, which kind of cost him the MVP to Yelich in 2018. He finished runner-up, but there was a stretch there, I think, going into September where you're like, I think Javi's got this. 
and he he September was his worst month that season, and they think it was because he wasn't getting any off days, he wasn't even getting any innings off, he just kind of like was spent because up until that point, Javi was a guy who didn't play every day. Second half of 2017 is when he really became like you're an everyday guy because then Addison Russell had his problems. That's another thing. I mean, Addison Russell turned out to be a terrible person and a bad player. No one saw that coming. I think the terrible person thing coming to light affected his play. And I'm, you know, I'm glad he's off the team. But again, these are things you just don't see coming. Addison Russell was once like the second highest ranked prospect in all of baseball. Every scout in the league was like, this guy is going to be a perennial all-star MVP candidate. You know, so again, you just don't see these things coming sometimes. All right. Furthermore, into 2019. Lestella actually goes to the Angels as an all-star first half. So then it's like, oh, come on, you know? And um, and then he's, uh, I think he missed the second half of that year. And then last year he's with Oakland. or The Angels changed, traded him to Oakland. He looked real good with Oakland. And I actually kind of wanted the Cubs to try to get Lestella back because I thought there'd be the DH. And I'm like, we just need another guy like him because he strikes out. He doesn't strike out at all. And he's a great fastball hitter. Like he puts the ball in play. 2019, we missed the playoffs by a few games disastrous September. Javi misses almost the whole month of September, and he was having a, good, a solid 2019. Uh, Rizzo messed up his foot. Remember the, the pitchers of that blown-up foot, and he still tried to come back early. Brian, I think, got missed a few games in September. Nic- Nicholas Castellan- Castellanos. Castellanos was an amazing pickup. No, no Cub player will ever be more popular for only playing two months. That guy was fantastic. But then even he couldn't save us with him hitting doubles and home runs off the ballpark. Schwarber had a huge second half. Contreras did not have a good 2019. He was bad in 2019, if I recall. No, no, no. I take that back. 2018, Contreras was bad. 2019, Contreras was very good, but he missed a month. He got hurt again. So remember, 2017 and 2018, Contreras, 2017 and 2019, Contreras had injuries that caused us to have to go trade for a catcher. Um, Alex Avila in 2017, and then Machado briefly in um, 2019, and then we flipped in for Tony Kemp. So, you know, we lost, I remember we had that series in second week of September, maybe, like September like 8th through 11th, where we lost four one-run games in a row. Missing Javi, maybe that changes something. You know, there was just enough there where you're like, this just, injuries happened, this wasn't our year. We had a bad bullpen that year. Kimbrell was awful. Um, I've stuck up for Kimbrell now because, this is his first season with a full spring training, and he looks like the guy who, again, very well could end up being a Hall of Famer, Craig, Kim- Craig Kimbrell. I'm going to wrap this up with you guys, but I just wanted to address this because this is something I've been seeing floating around Cubs Twitter. 2019, if you look at the big five of the Cubs, I was calling it the big five, Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, Contreras, Schwarber, all five of those guys had really good years. Schwarber had 38 home runs and 870 on base, 879 on base percentage. That'd be insane. And 870 OPS. That's on base plus slugging. Rizzo was around a 900 OPS. Bryant was a 900 OPS all star that year. Baez and Contreras were both up there in the eights. You know what I mean? And were all stars that year. So you could say, like, oh, you know, something needs to change from this 2019 team. And I'm thinking, yeah, spend a little money. Okay, I understand this luxury tax that they're so afraid of. They went so far under while still making good money from 2012 to 2014. I always thought the idea was when you're rebuilding, you don't spend at all, basically. Therefore, when you're in your competitive window is when you spend some money. 
Now, one day, someone's going to be honest with us from the business operations of the Chicago Cubs and tell us we screwed up on some renovation stuff that cost us way more than we thought. And we thought, you know what? We're going to have to dig into the baseball side of things. And that's why we didn't go over. Or maybe Tom Ricketts is going to come out and say, I thought the Darvish signing sucked. I thought the Morrow signing sucked. And I thought the Chatwood signing sucked. And because of that, I didn't want to let Theo make any more big deals, even if it looked like it was necessary. Okay. And if that's the case, then Theo should have left even sooner because he, sh- and then he should have gone on every television network saying, I'm the reason this team tripled in value, helping become making this uh, a real big league, big market team. You know what I mean? He did this Cubs. The Cubs had no infrastructure as far on the developmental side before Theo Epstein came around. He changed the culture just by signing on the dotted line, being a guy that people wanted to play for. And if that's the case where they're like, we just didn't trust him to make signings anymore. And of those three I just named, Darvish ended up being a great signing. You can't judge a six-year deal from one bad year. And I guess you could say one and a half because he wasn't very good in that first half of 2019. But he turned it on the second half and then was a Cy Young candidate in 2020. And, you know, ended up being the right move. Brandon Morrow, that's where Joe Madden comes in. Brandon Morrow, the Cubs said to Joe Madden, never pitch this guy three times in a row. He's got injury history. Three times in a row he pitched him gets injured and is done for basically his career at that point. Uh, it was a two year deal, you know, um, what really put us in jeopardy with the financial situation that put us over the luxury tax, because in Theo Epstein's run nine seasons, they were only over the luxury tax three times. 2016, they went over when they picked up Chapman, uh, 2019, they went over because of the Cole Hamels option pickup. And then 2020, they went over, which I think they would have shredded, though. I think in spring training, they were going to try to move Quintana. That would have brought them underneath, which would have been kind of like a almost like a white flag trip. But Jose Quintana got injured a week before and then only gave us two innings anyway. So who knows? I think they liked enough out of Alec Mills, and they were going to be like, we're going to give Adbert a real go, find out now what Adbert's made of. And Adbert would probably be further along now, and fans wouldn't be like a little iffy on him still. And that would have brought us underneath the luxury tax last season in the weird pandemic year, but the pandemic happened, you know? So I really think that not making, uh, not re-signing Castellanos or, or trying to, maybe they could have signed Castellanos and flipped Schwarber as much as I love Schwarber, but Schwarber really actually had a better second half than Castellanos did and was going to be less money. So closing the wallet to me was the biggest reason, but again, they could have done all the right things and it sometimes it doesn't work out. You know, we saw this, the Dodgers finally broke through in that 60 game season last year to win a world series after and the Dodgers had over the last decade have spent more on players than the Cubs have and already have had a great infrastructure in place. They didn't need to hire their Theo to change an entire culture and put in a player development infrastructure. The Dodgers have had a great farm system since Jackie Robinson. I mean, they, how many rookies of the year have that organization won? And as good as Andrew Friedman is, it's not like he inherited some bad team. He inherited a 95 win team that, had players that were already coming up that he'd even draft. Imagine if when Theo took over the Cubs, he had Corey Seager coming up, uh, Cody Bellinger on his way. And, you know, a a few other big names I can't even think of right now. I think Walker Bueller was like his first big draft pick, Andrew Freeman for the Dodgers that like landed. Um, Pretty sure. And already an ace in Kershaw that was there before him. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm not trying to get into what the Dodgers are. I'm just trying to figure out 
how we're going to approach the rest of the season as fans. I still think hold on hope. I think this team's got a run in them, which they're going to stay competitive, especially in the NL Central. I think they're going to snap off an eight games out of 10. I don't know when that's going to happen. And I know if you're listening going, they can't beat the Pirates. How could they beat Atlanta? It's baseball. Happens all the time. How many people wrote off the Nationals by July? The Nationals started like 19 and 30 that year and then won the wild card and ended up winning the whole thing. So to the fans out there who are like, what, are we just going to make the playoffs and get bounced right away again? Fine. I was so jealous of the Atlanta Braves growing up, making it 14 years in a row. You got to make the playoffs for a chance to win the World Series. Think of it this way. You got to go to the dance if you want to get laid. Right? You're not going to get laid on prom night if you're sitting home. You got to show up. Get into October. Anything could happen. Um, but in the same regard, look, this this offense needs something to change. It needs a, a bunch of changes. And, um, you know, I could go on for another hour, but I wanted to keep this. I want to keep this like 15 to 20 minutes. Now I'm pushing it to 30 minutes. Um, but I'll end it there, really. I, I guess what I'm saying is I'm trying to um, stay optimistic. And then when it comes to a time in which it's clearly – they're going to be selling off people, and then we'll we'll talk about things then, and then we'll try to say, all right, Cubs fans, let's, you know, we're going to watch, right? Aren't we going to watch all 162? And then if they don't spend next year, if they do another thing where it's like we're going full rebuild and they're not spending anything, then you know what? I will lead the boycott with you because I'll be thoroughly against that. Because as Cubs fans, I think I want us to be entertaining. I think a fan's perspective should be one in which, especially when the team isn't entertaining. We need to be entertaining. I'll come up with fun things. I'll have on fun guests. We'll talk. I want to do a do's or don'ts at Wrigley Field. This is for baseball stadiums in general. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sorry. If I see you wearing a White Sox shirt at a Cubs game, that's an obviously don't because you're just trying to start shit. Like, you know, stuff like that. Like, certain way, like, we'll have fun ones. Um, You know, which Cubs player would be which Marvel Avenger? Like, I don't know, fun stuff like that. And I'm going to have people on who have some insight on what to look forward to, to the future. If that's the way it comes, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk baseball and we'll keep it fun because that's really what we want at the end of the day. Right. Don't we want a fun thing to do? Um, and, and it's going to be sad when some of our favorite players are gone. That's why I want everyone to enjoy it while you can enjoy the ride while you can. That's what it's all about. Uh, thanks everyone for checking out the true blue comes podcast. I will have another episode up. It'll be up Friday. We're recording Thursday. I'll be with follow him right now on Twitter at Crawley's Cubs kingdom. Or is that at Crawley's Cubs? The full name is at Crawley's Cubs kingdom. One of the biggest Cubs fans that walks the face of the earth. So he's a great follow and a good dude. Definitely check that out. And then I'll be having more and more, um, other I'll be just talking to other Cubs fans. A lot of these people I won't don't even know personally. I'll just reach out to them because I like their Twitter accounts and I like their vibe. I, um, you know, just we'll keep it fun. All right, you guys are the best. Thanks for listening. Go Cubs.